The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Week 11 edition of the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is is your week 11 NFL betting preview. I'm joined as always by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. What is good, my brother? What's going on, man? Yeah, it was a winning week, so I'm always happy with that. A crazy week trying to keep up with injuries, COVID. Uh, it'd be, it's getting insane. The NFL just issued a mandate saying that every team has to follow strict COVID protocols for the rest of the season. So it's definitely getting... A little crazier. Uh, last week was crazy from a betting perspective for this podcast. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had the Texans and then the Hail Mary. But then you had the 49ers who should have covered. They got uh, Nick Mullins with that terrible throw to Bourne. He threw it to right to Pat, was it Patrick Robinson. He threw it right to Patrick Robinson in the end zone. That was Yeah, like, but, but still, they had two muff punts. They had the bullshit breeze personal foul. The 49ers should have covered that game easily. Ugh. But, yeah, we move on to try to find some winners. We move on to week number 11, as you mentioned, crazy week. So we're going to get into our uh, – we're going to get into the Thursday night football preview, of course. We'll get into our top six spread bets of the week in the Sunday six-pack. Uh, we'll give you our favorite totals, teaser, money line dog, and survivor pick. Uh, but first, a couple of quick reminders. Number one, if you plan to bet the NFL this season and you haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from me, Stucky, the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make. So go check that out. You can also follow Sunday Six Pack to see all of the podcast picks uh, each week and how they are doing. And number two, if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. This is the 11th week of this free Yahoo DFS tournament. Top five each week. Get a chance to play for a free Vegas vacation valued at over $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. 35 spots in the Grand finale are still up for grabs, and there's nothing to lose. Just imagine yourself on that free Vegas vacation. You're gambling. You're drinking. You run into Raiders superfan MC Hammer. You start talking. He buys you a pair of Hammer pants and takes you to dinner at Lemongrass at the Aria. You try to grab the last shrimp roll, but he says, you can't touch this. He start laughing, but he wasn't making a joke. He asks you to leave, but... You can keep the pants. Anything is possible. So sign up now using the link in this episode description. Did you ever have some hammer pants stuck? Or was that, was that uh, not up your alley? I had like, when I was in like seventh, eighth grade, I was a wannabe skater, I guess. And I had big ass Janko jeans with like the, they were black. And then there was an orange stripe. I remember. Down the side. 
and I used to wear them all the time. I was like a dirty skater wannabe, but uh, those are the days. And then, I mean, all from like, I want to say like f- fifth grade to 11th grade, all my pants were like eight sizes too big uh, at least. So, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> let's get into the Thursday night football preview on that note. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. All right, Thursday night football. We usually come into this saying, I don't know, maybe if we can kind of avoid betting this game, maybe we will. But second week in a row, pretty good divisional matchup here. Last week, the Colts, as you predicted uh, or kind of alluded to, smashed the Titans. A lot of special teams errors. This time, we get the Cardinals, fresh off the Hale-Murray, going to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Everyone except the Niners, of course, the team that gets to the Super Bowl last year, tied atop the NFC West at 6-3, and three, including the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Seahawks three-point favorites at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. The total is a sky-high 57 and a half. Stuck initial thoughts on what should be a good rematch of the 37-34 overtime Cardinals win a few weeks ago. We have a really good Thursday night game here, which is always nice. If you recall, the this game went to overtime. The Cardinals scored like 10 points in the final two minutes a few weeks back on another primetime game and ended up winning in overtime. Uh, the first thing you have to talk about here is the injuries for Seattle, and they're pretty extensive. Like Chris, Car- I mean, let's see, Chris Carson didn't practice again today. He's, he he's, might- he's going to be out. He's yeah, out. Yeah, so. they're saying he's like not likely to go. High is going to go. Um, but then you got Dunbar and Griffin, the cornerbacks, both out. Yeah, they're two. They're, and then Ethan Poachers, their starting center. He's didn't practice, and that was a big loss last game. Which, But if you don't have your two starting corners, Dunbar and Griffin, that's big against the Cardinals. Who like to go four wide. Um, they do have Umagu back at uh, – at, at the slot, which helps a little bit, but it's, I mean, you're going to have DJ Reed and Trey Flowers out there. The one thing I can say is that, yeah, I think Griffin's actually the bigger loss on the outside. So, yeah. I, I, you know, with DJ Reed filling in, just your depth overall, though, is taking a really big hit. I actually make this line right on three, so I don't see any value from a side perspective. Uh, by the way, this, and the Seattle the Seattle defense, it's not just their corners. I mean, Diggs and Adams are supposed to be really good safeties. They're 63rd and 64th in coverage out of 70 safeties with minimum 300 snaps. Like, nobody's covering. They're getting no pressure up front. It's basically just you have good linebackers. But how, how often does that really matter on a, on a play in the NFL these days? Uh, so the defense is really bad. And then you have Russell Wilson, who is starting potentially to regress a little bit. Is he forcing – Last week against the Rams in a loss, when he got over the Rams' 45-yard line, he went 3 of 12 for 17 yards. No touchdowns, two sacks, two picks, and an intentional grounding. That's insane. You know, he forced a really bad throw in the end zone. He's had some uncharacteristic picks of late. Hey, I just want to – I do want to give a shout-out to the Rams defense because I know both of us on this podcast, we kind of said, you know, they haven't played anyone. They played the NFC East. You know, are they for real? I think they proved a lot in that game against uh, uh, Seattle. You know, they have you know more than just Donald and Ramsey. You have Johnson and you have, you have, you have a bunch of guys. And uh, who is it? Brandon Staley uh, is the first-year yep. 
coordinator. He's been doing he's been doing a great job. So just wanted to to give a shout out to the Rams defense. You know, uh, I was wrong uh, about well, you know, I, I didn't I just didn't think they were as good or they hadn't shown it yet, and they certainly showed it. So shout out to the Rams D. Yeah, I mean it was they, look they still have one of the worst faced one of the worst schedules of opposing offenses in the NFL. And like some of the throws that Russell Wilson threw had nothing to do with the Rams defense. Like yeah. that one, he could have ran for a touchdown and instead he throws in the double coverage for a pick. Like that one was horrible, you know, and, and look, Staley's doing some great things. He's using some college concepts. He's running, you know, some new looks in the NFL that we've seen some in college and they are working and you have a lot of guys who are playing really well. I mean, you know, I think Russell Wilson was just a little panicked and he was trying to do too much. But I I digress. I, I, I will say that I've been saying that there's no way that Russell Wilson could keep up what he was doing. He was playing at such an extremely high, perfect level that he was due for some regression. So I think this line is spot on. It'll probably go back and forth at the end. I think it'll be a close game. You know, we could get into the Russ and primetime trends. But I actually might look, and this is ugly, this is – I think what my luck, my look is going to be here. I might look at an under. It might be a first half under, or it might be a game under I haven't decided yet. I will be on one of the two or both. And I know that totals that have closed at 57.5 or higher have gone – there's only been 12 of them prior to this game. 11 of the 12 have gone over by an average of 11 points per game. The lone exception was Saints-Falcons last year. But, you know, this is the second meeting of a divisional matchup, which tends to favor unders a little bit. You have some more familiarity. I, I do think it's a tad too high from a numbers perspective from where I said it. But I also think that the Seahawks are going to come out, and I might have, maybe I have to reevaluate this, but as, as long as Hyde is playing, I think they're going to try to run it more. I think that, and Pete Carroll has hinted at that this week, maybe saying, you know, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Everyone was saying that. Maybe they've taken that too much to the extreme not saying that's right or wrong I think that this is what they're thinking after what they saw last week so I think that they might come out knowing they have questions on defense knowing Wilson struggled a little bit they might want to you know go back to the old Seahawks especially in the first half run the ball a lot control the clock set up some deep shots for Russ so I think you might see a different look Seahawks team on Thursday night so I might look at an under, it's disgusting. I mean, I think it was 27-17 at the half last time these two teams met about a, a couple weeks ago. But that's where I'm looking here. I think the line is spot on. How about you? I am going with the Seahawks in this spot. Uh, on the money line, though. Uh, I've not taken them. I don't know if they'll cover the, you know, I don't know if they'll win by more than four. But in the Russell Wilson era, according to our Action Labs data, off a multi-game losing streak, which is a two-game losing streak, they are 7-0 on the money line, undefeated. Uh, they just don't lose three in a row. It doesn't happen very often. It's never happened in our numbers. So I'm, unless we are missing a game somewhere in there, it's never happened. So uh, I like the Seahawks to get a close win in this one. And I, I do agree. I think that they will run the ball. And I think Hyde coming off the injury report, and I'm holding, you, you kind of saw why they held him out. Uh, and they gave Collins a lot of work too because you had now you have Homer doubtful. So it looks like they're going to ride Hyde. In that first matchup where, remember now, Seattle got up in this one 20-7. They were up 27-14. to 14. They ran 30 times for 200 yards in that game. Russell Wilson had 6 for 84. Carlos Hyde, 15 for 68 in the touchdown. Really had this team have its uh, best running day, uh, I believe, of the year against this Cardinal 
defense. And they'll be without uh, defensive tackle Corey Peters, who already got ruled out. So it's going to be, I think, uh, a different, a little bit of a different look. And I think that'll take the pressure off Russ. I think now is probably the time to fade this Cardinals team uh, just for this week anyway, because you look at what's happened in these past few weeks. They get the big comeback against Seattle in a game they probably had no business winning. That's what kind of started the Russell Wilson coming back down to earth. Then you had the the Miami game, which they should have probably won more handily. It shouldn't have to had come down to a field goal, but uh, Miami, a lot better than I think people think. But then even that Buffalo game, I mean, the Cardinals had no business winning that game. You, they get down big in that one, and they come all the way back, and then – their defense can't hold down Josh Allen, and then Kyra Murray's amazing. Well, you now you're meeting amazing with amazing here in Russell Wilson, uh, and it's um, now it's kind of going the other way. It's like Russell Wilson's been so shaky over these past few games that now you almost expect you're like, okay, well now he has to like start making some of those amazing plays again. So at home, Seattle lost the first matchup, even though they they were up big, seven and zero. At, uh, off a two-game losing streak, never let it get to three. Like Seattle on the money line here, uh, but don't trust them to cover the spread. I think it will be a, a close game. So there you have it. Money line is minus one seventy-six at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. So keep an eye out if you are looking to bet that. And. Speaking of Thursday night football, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for the game. New customers can bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown. Just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either the Cardinals, or the Seahawks score a touchdown. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. All right, let's do a stuck. Let's crack open the Week 11 Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right. So not hitting my two-point pick was a big uh, loss as far as our little contest. We get two points for, for our top pick, one point each for our second and third in our total, and another for sweeping the board. But you picked up a point on me, I believe, and you're up 30-24, uh, because, well, I didn't hit my two-point pick. I think one of your, what was it, the Chargers? Of course it was the Chargers. Didn't come through, yep. and that was your pick uh, that didn't. So you got a point of me. You're up 30-24. We're into week 11. You got the number one pick. Where are you going? It's pretty obvious where I'm going here. For my first pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the one-win Jacksonville Jaguars, plus nine against the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, look, I've preached about this many times. It's one of the few spots that I'll blindly bet in the NFL, assuming the number isn't, you know, is within reason. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to is the number, the discrepancy to the number I make and then the number that's out there. And I'm more than comfortable here. I took 10. 
look around. You can get some 10 out there. And so make sure you always shop around. So I was more than comfortable taking 10. This is a classic Mike Tomlin fade spot. My first pick a couple weeks ago was the Cowboys uh, catching double digits against the Steelers. Mike Tomlin, by the way, is 1-10 against the spread as a double-digit favorite on the road against losing teams. 1-10. He's failing to cover by an average of nine points per game. I mean, it's just shocking. He's 6-5 and five straight up in those games. He's lost five of them outright. He almost lost to the Cowboys. He did get a couple calls at home that they didn't get. They win that game. And then in 2018, they lost at the 2-10 and 10 Raiders as 11-point favorites. We've seen this time and time again from Tomlin. I mean, look, look no further than on the road against teams under 500. He is, in his career, 15-29-1, 34.1% against the spread. That's a negative 30% ROI. Dead last out of 102 coaches in our Bet Labs database. On the other side, I've said this many times, as a road dog against winning teams he's 17 and 5 against the spread 77.3 percent against the spread covering by almost six points per game number one in our database on the money line he's 26 and 19 straight up on the road as a favorite against losing teams he's winning 57 58 percent of those games the league average is about 66 percent he's about 10 percent below that and then if you look at him as a dog against winning teams He's winning 72% of those games as a dog between zero and seven points. League average, about 34%. Why? Well, he's generally a rah-rah coach. That's one of his biggest strengths. It's Tomlin. It's us against the world. He goes in the locker room, and he's probably banging his head against the wall, telling, telling his team that you know this everyone disrespects us. No one thinks that we can win this game. Just picture Tomlin yelling. And then in other spots, it's just like it's more they come out just so flat. I've always said he's, that's one of his biggest strengths. He's a rah-rah coach, so it's, it's kind of like Tom Herman in college has similar splits. Well, let me back up. You know, one loss hurts that bad. I mean, we had guys in tears. So, number one, it's just, so this is your classic Thomas spot. Plus, they have the Ravens on Thanksgiving four days later. So, maybe a little bit of a look ahead here. Maybe hold some things back. Just try to get out of Jacksonville with a ugly win. I just think they come out flat, which is ultimately why I'm playing. Now, there are Jake Luton from Oregon State, the rookie. He's going to get the start again. He hasn't been great, but he has a couple starts under his belt. He doesn't really turn the ball over if you go back to his college splits, which is nice if you have a double-digit home dog. You don't want to be turning it over against the Steelers. There's actually some things to like about the Jaguars. Look, I, I have them as the the second-worst team in the NFL, power rating-wise. I'll make – Make no mistake about it. They're, this is a bad team. But they should get Linder back, Brandon Linder, their center. He cleared concussion protocol today in practice. So he'll be back. They have a really solid interior offensive line with Linder back in there and their two guards. So that's really big against the Steelers. They're elite defensive line. They have great defensive tackles. You have James Robinson, a rookie out of Illinois State, by the way. Jags have so many contributing rookies who's just running the ball really well. Luton is he can he'll move around when he needs to. He's not the most mobile guy, but I think that might come in handy. The one scary part here is if you look at the Jags' offensive line, interior really solid. Right tackle Jawan Taylor, he's 62nd of 63 tackles, minimum of 200 snaps in pass blocking, decent in run blocking, but in pass blocking, and he's going to go up against T.J. Watt, who's arguably been the best edge rusher uh, from the left side of the defense in 2020. So that is a, that is a bit of a concern. Um, 
But the Jags have been competitive the last couple games. They're still fighting, which I do like to see. And then on defense, I think they finally found their corner. Sidney Jones is playing really well. I mean, really well. And then Henderson, C.J. Henderson, the rookie, is starting to show flashes. And he played really well last week. I know that Adams had a couple drops, but Adams is going to roast most people. But I think that he's building confidence and, and looks a lot better. The slot is still a major issue regardless of who's been in there this year. So does Schuster have a big day? That's certainly a question. Uh, Jared Wilson's been a bright spot at safety. And you have Jack and Allen that are back healthy. They're the stars of the show. And there's these other two rookies that I really like. Davon Hamilton, he's playing really well. And Doug Costin, who's going to be back this week at defensive tackle. So there's some things to like in this Steelers offense has not been right all year. Now the one worry is that Ben looked great last week. Apparently, he didn't throw until Friday, and it was the first time he changed his routine leading up to the game. And some say, look, you had to shake off the rust. I mean, look, I mean, it's November 18th. I don't necessarily know how much rust you have to shake off. But if Ben does play that way, you know, the, the Jags could be in trouble. But my hope here – and look, it's been about 60 70%. It's not a lock. It's not a guarantee. The Steelers could come out ultra-focused. Luton could be a disaster. Uh, and the Steelers could roll. But I'll take my shot in this really good spot. I think it's the situational spot of the week. And uh, I think the Steelers are just a tad overvalued. They are defeated, but they played the thirty-one tough, the 31st toughest schedule. I mean, who have they beat? People are like, the Ravens suck. All right, so then they don't have a good win over the Ravens. And now people are saying the Titans suck, so they don't have a good win over the Titans. They probably should have lost both those games. So I, I have the Steelers rated as the fifth best team in the NFL right now. But their schedule's been a joke. Meanwhile, the Jags played a, a pretty tough schedule. So give me the Jags, and I think the best situational spot of the weekend, Dade Tomlin spot. I completely agree with the offense. I, I wrote a piece on it last week where I talk about, you know, where the Steelers are on offense in terms of their advanced metrics. Two teams out of the last 22 have made the Super Bowl uh, ranked lower than seventh in offensive DVOA. Now, the Steelers have some teams to beat up on. Start, you know, they started with the Bengals last week. They could beat up on the Jags. They could get there. Uh, but, you know, as of right now, their offense really hasn't shown much. And I actually just finished rewatching that Steelers-Bengals game. I actually wasn't as impressed with Big Ben as I thought I would be, you know, kind of watching it on red zone. When you look at that game, early downs, that's been a problem for them. It still was a problem. They were still in uh, quite a few third and longs. They were still having some, you know, early down runs going nowhere. And uh, the Bengals, I mean, they just played a really bad game in terms of, mistakes and special teams mistakes and penalties and weird off coverages that let that like I wasn't really impressed with the Steelers receivers and you know they they're really talented group with Deontay and Juju and of course Chase Claypool but uh like it wasn't the kind of performance I think that alleviates the concerns now the one thing that does scare me for the Jags is this could be a repeat of the Bengals game in the sense of Luton under pressure this year five of 21 two picks. So the Steelers are number one in pressure. This could get away from them, but I do agree. It's, it's the right, it's the right play based on the situation. You like, and not only just Tomlin, but remember the big Ben sweepy road afternoon games when big Ben has been a a home favorite by more than a point eight and 25 against the spread, just 24%. Uh, you know, we haven't seen that many of these because he missed all of last year, but the Cowboys game qualified. Uh, then you go back to 2018. They were a 10 and a half point favorite against the uh, a bad Raiders team. They lost by three. 
three-point favorite against the, the Broncos. They lose by seven. They played the Jags. They were four-point favorites and actually pushed. Uh, I'm sure people got that line at, at greater than four uh, as well. So, you know, just going back, like th- this has been just a, a bad situation. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of play out kind of like the, the, the Cowboys-Steelers game uh, from a, a few weeks ago rather than the, the Bengals one from last week. It's not all on, on Ben either. Their offensive line, so that's going in the air. It's not as good as it once was. They don't have a single member of their offensive line in the top 25 of their position. Uh, I think the Jags ugly this up and uh, lose a close one. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. For the second pick of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, and my first overall pick, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles, plus three and a half at BetMGM against the Cleveland Browns and it seems like every week now we're getting the hook on Cleveland and you know at home this is what their third straight home game and they they just haven't been impressive you know you look at last week and yeah it was lucky that Nick Chubb steps out didn't really have to and uh and so they don't cover if, if you got three and a half hopefully you did shop around but now you look at this Eagles matchup and now we're right back into the wheelhouse of the times that you want to bet against the Browns and bet against Baker Mayfield. Because you look at Philly, number six in pressure rate uh, at 25.3%. Baker Mayfield, of the 39 quarterbacks with at least 86 dropbacks this season, ranks 38th of 39 in passer rating under pressure at 30.8. It's been just a struggle for Mayfield. And this is been his whole career just one touchdown uh, and four interceptions uh, under pressure this season takes a sack on 16 percent of pressure dropbacks completing just 40 percent of his passes and not only do the Eagles get pressure which is really the, the the kryptonite for Baker Mayfield but the Eagles can do what the is the true kryptonite for this Browns offense is because they've been able to survive they're six and three you know, Mayfield's been terrible under pressure. They're six and three. Philadelphia, number four in defensive adjusted line yards allowed, 3.55. What does that measure? That measures uh, how well you are allowing uh, running backs, how far you're allowing running backs to get beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, and they're actually even better in running back yard per carry allowed, number two in the league at just 3.37 yards per carry allowed to running backs is Philadelphia. So this plays right into Philadelphia's hands, even though they had the ugly loss to the Giants last week on the road. 
And then you look at these two teams, right? And you think big difference here, Philadelphia, three, six, and one, Cleveland, six, and three. Well, guess what? Philadelphia's point differential, minus 29 on the year. Cleveland, six and three, reverse record, their point differential, minus 28. <laughs> They're separated by one point in point differential. Cleveland's a six and three team with a negative 28 point differential. Give me Philadelphia plus three and the hook in a game I think they can win outright on the road in Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. I would have taken this as my, my second pick. Uh, if you didn't, I played the Eagles plus three and a half. I've been telling everyone, beginning of the year, this team's a dumpster fire. I've been fading them the entire year. I'll finally play them uh, here. I think this line should probably be closer to plus one and a half. I think it's a good matchup for them. As you said, the Eagles' run defense numbers are very skewed because of what quarterbacks and wide receivers have done against them in the running game. Lamar Jackson crushed them. Daniel Jones has crushed them a few times. And, you know, they go back to the 49ers game. There's been a couple just long jet sweeps and wide receiver runs against them. And as you said, they've been really good against pure running backs. And that's what the Browns are. They're very good in Hunt and Chubb. They're both top three at elusive rating. Chubb's averaging an obscene 4.4 yards after contact. Ridiculous. But yeah, if you can get pressure on by Andy Janovich is on the on the COVID list, by the way, they're fullback. Could hurt a little bit in certain situations. But the Eagles defend running backs really well. I think that they can get pressure on Mayfield and Eagles secondary has issues. The Eagles passing game has issues. They're getting healthier. Yeah, they're getting healthier. They got, they but got there's... Goddard and they got Rager and they, we got Alshon, even though he's like the wide receiver four. Yeah, I think they have to attack over the middle of the field. I mean, the Browns play basically with two strong safeties, so I think they have to really attack the seam. There's going to be a lot of wind. I think that the Eagles, Miles Sanders looked really good last week in the way that he was just exploding to the hole. So I think that he can have some success. The Browns haven't played anybody. I mean, they, they have one good win over the Colts. You have to remember that. And their defensive metrics are all skewed because their last two games came in – wind storms and 40 yeah. mile an hour winds actually i'm glad so. you mentioned that because i wanted to mention that too look at the browns defensive metrics they're 26 in success rate on defense 19th in dvoa 20th in points allowed and they faced the second easiest slate of opposing offenses and they had the two win games where they allow 23 points combined so after a game where they allow 16 and another one where they allow seven they're still you know, near the bottom of the league in all the defensive metrics, which is uh, absurd. You would expect some regression from the Eagles in this aspect. They've been the unluckiest team in the NFL in hidden points, about minus 15 by far, and hidden points are on special teams. That's things that are out of your control. So that's teams like punting, their, their kickoffs, you know, putting a punt in the corner of the end zone, making really long field goals against you. The field position was one of the biggest stories of that Giants-Eagles game last year. And by the way, this is just a game that the Eagles win. Just a cliche to say, but they, you know, they went to, everyone was writing well if they go to San Fran and they win. Last year, you know, they get, they lose to the Lions at home and everyone's like, this team stinks. They go on the road and they beat the Packers. You know, then towards the end of the year, it's like they lose to the Dolphins. You know, it's like, oh, this team's done. And then they roll out four games. Just every time they really need to win a road game over the past couple of years, they've they've done it. So uh, I think this game comes right down to the wire. And I think the Eagles are going to find a way to pull it out. And just to your point about them on the road, you know, for those people entering that DFS uh, tournament, you know, might want to think about the Eagles in this game. Carson Wentz 
on the road, you know, when the total is, you know, like in the like kind of a mid-tier total, 47 and a half for Wes, uh, because the Eagles have been struggling, 21 and five in his career, 21 and five toward the over, 81% uh, when the total is 47 and a half for Wes. It's less, it's still right there on that, on that uh, kind of threshold, right at 47, 47 and a half. So uh, these are the games when the Eagles tend to surprise people, as you mentioned, Stuck, and uh, play a little better on offense. The van's been lifted and we are back in Flipadelphia. Here we come. Oh! Oh, flip, flip, Flipadelphia. Flip, flip, Flipadelphia. Flip, flip, Flipadelphia. Yeah. Yep. All right. For my second pick and the third overall pick of the Sunday six pack, I am going with the How About Them Cowboys plus seven at BetMGM. Look, the Vikings are playing extremely good football of late. Their offense is really good right now. I mean, their offensive line, especially in run blocking, is playing so well. They got Drew Samia out of the lineup. They replaced him with Ezra Cleveland. I've been screaming for that. And the offensive line just in general across the board is playing really well. Justin Jefferson has been one of the best rookies in the NFL to compliment Adam Thielen on the outside. And then we all know about Dalvin Cook. He's been one of the best running backs in the league. So the offense is really good. It's top 10 offense by most metrics this year. And, um, you know, it's Oh, still a work in progress on the defensive side of the ball. That's where I think that the Cowboys can have some success. Andy Dalton is cleared. I don't know if he'll definitely start. I actually am hoping I can get some Garrett Gilbert again. He's a little more mobile. But regardless, I, I don't think it's a really a bad thing if Dalton starts because the Vikings don't really get pressure. Now, last week, they just have no defensive line left. You lose Everson Griffin. You lose Michael Pierce. You lose Ngo- you had Ngakwe, then you lost him. Daniel Hunter's on IR. I mean, it just – they, their entire defensive line is just shredded. So what they did last week is they just brought a ton of blitzes because they said, look, Corderell Patterson is the running back. He doesn't know how to be a running back. And the Bears don't can't throw to anybody. We're just, we don't have to worry about the running game. We're just blitzing everyone. Well, you have to worry about the running game with the Cowboys. And you have to worry about their receivers. Two things that the Bears don't have. The Vikings defense looked a lot better than it was last week because the Bears don't have receivers. They don't have a quarterback and they don't have a running game. Uh, and they don't have an offensive line. At least the Cowboys offensive line now which is still top 10 in line yards. And, you know, they have – they're healthy in the middle at least now. But this, this Vikings defense doesn't have corners. They don't have a pass rush. So I think the Cowboys will be able to move the ball. I know Dalvin Cook will get his. He ran for, what, 183 total – he had 183 total yards, including receiving yards last year when they beat the Cowboys 28-24. Vikings second in line yards. Cowboys 30th in defensive line yards. But the Cowboys' defense is just playing a lot more inspired. Since they had a lot of those cuts, they threatened, we're going to trade you. Look at the last two games against the Steelers and the Eagles. They should have covered both when everyone is completely written out. Without a complete fluke-blown ref play, they cover against the Eagles. They cover easily against the Steelers. So this team is still fighting. They're one game out of the win column in the NFC East, and they're coming off of a bye for what it's worth. If you're in the trends, Mike McCarthy's the number one most profitable coach off of a bye. Since 2003, he's 11-3-1 and one against the spread. Most profitable of any coach over that span. Vikings off of a road Monday night football game. Very physical game. Coming back home on a short week. Teams off the road Monday night football game coming home. 43% against the spread since 2003. So there's some trends here that do favor the Cowboys. I Diggs went on the IR today with their corner which does hurt. He's been playing a lot better. But Awuzie should come back, which will help because they just don't have a lot of talented corners. So 
Give me the Cowboys here off a bye, pretty much playing for their season, uh, selling the Vikings high here. And I think the, the Cowboys are a little better than the market is giving them credit for with their backup quarterbacks. As we as I played, I played them in the last two games. Should have covered both. I think this line should be closer to like five and a half. And don't forget about special teams. Cowboys special teams have been – Pretty good all year. The Vikings special teams have been an absolute disaster. Disaster across the board. Um, I mean, they can't even snap. It's it's bad. So, give me the boys. Try to get over seven, but seven or better, plus seven at BetMGM for this. This is an interesting game for me. Like, I, I really don't have a feel for what the Cowboys are going to come out and do off this bye just because you know, it's this is the first McCarthy, like, Cowboys bye, but also we don't really know who their quarterback's going to be, but – uh, yeah, the Vikings, I mean, they were lucky. Most teams, you don't win a game where you only score, what was it, 20 points and uh, get a kick returned against you for a touchdown. So uh, the Vikings are kind of in that sell high category. I do agree. I think you can find this line some places at, at seven and a half or greater. Uh, would feel a lot more comfortable about it there. But yeah, kind of waiting for a more complete Cowboys performance now you know Dak's been out for a while you still have Zeke you still have these receivers uh, you get a little bit healthier on defense so uh, don't hate the pick uh, probably not gonna bet it but uh, definitely don't hate it and you can't bet the the Vikings in this spot everybody you did one hell of a job and the only thing else I got to say is How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Speaking of bad snaps, uh, I am picking against a team with the fourth overall pick of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack that had a lot of trouble with bad snaps last week. And I'm going with the Tennessee Titans plus six and a half at the Baltimore Ravens. I think there are a few things in this matchup that favor the Titans. Number one, Baltimore, you know, first they lose Ronnie Stanley. Then, you know, last week they lose Nick Boyle, who's a pretty important part of their offense, you know, both pass blocking, run blocking, uh, and allows them to play, you know, with two tight ends on the field um, because they're really not happy and not getting as much production from the receivers as as they would like. Um, But also Brandon Williams, uh, defensive tackle, uh, went down as well. Uh, And that's that's a big loss when you're going against Derrick Henry and this Titans offense. But beyond that, you look at these two teams, and the, the Ravens are clearly the better 6-3 and three team, with, make no mistake about it, uh, than the Titans. However, catching 6.5 on the road, you look at the Titans and, and Mike Vrabel and what he's been able to do against this team last season when they, you know, everybody and their mama expected Baltimore to just cruise right to the AFC Championship game. And... They came up with a game plan that really stymied Lamar Jackson. And that was, you know, going back to the playoffs last year, you know, Lamar this year hasn't been the same uh, quarterback. He hasn't had the same success, I should say. And uh, it kind of started in that Tennessee game last year where, you know, they made him go to the outside. They took away some of the things he likes to do, which, again, with Boyle out is going to be, um, you know, even tougher to kind of do some of the things they like to do. And then you look at, okay, Tennessee can run the football uh, with Derrick Henry. Baltimore's run defense it won't be quite as good. They could still cover. But on the other side, Tennessee's still, uh, still covering well. You know, at, with Joseph out and, and King in, I think that's a big improvement. They're actually ranked number two in PFF and coverage grade. Uh, and that, that's not what Baltimore needs right now, you know, because 
look at the, the other thing that I think is a major is going to be a major factor in this game is the red zone and Tennessee. We all know that they're one of the best teams in the red zone have been uh, pretty much since Ryan Tannehill took over Tennessee number two in the league on offense in red zone conversion rate at 76.5 Baltimore last on defense in red zone conversion rate allowed at 76.2. So you look at this game and you say, yeah, it's a winnable game for Baltimore. Obviously they're the better six and three team, but they've had trouble on offense. They're missing one of their key guys. Uh, you know, even though he's not like a popular guy, they're missing their tackle. And if they can't keep go score for score with Tennessee in the red zone, they'll convert some third downs. Tennessee's still bad on third down defense, but if they can't go blow for blow with them in the red zone, this could end up a lot like that Patriots game where, you know, Patri- uh, Ravens favored by nearly a touchdown or a touchdown over the Patriots who can run the ball and are coached by, you know, another guy who's <laughs> Belichick himself, you know, Vrabel's not quite that, but you look at this matchup and it could play out quite similarly if the Ravens can't uh, put up enough points and go score for score. So uh, I just think six and a half uh, is too many points uh, in this matchup, like the spot for Tennessee at Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, last week against the Patriots, a couple of things happened with the Ravens. I mean, they're number one, the league has kind of f- figured out Lamar Jackson a little bit. I wrote that in, in, in my preview and, and what the Ravens want to do with their passing attack. They're playing a lot more man and, and Jackson is just, you know, off the zone read. He anticipates throws really well. He kind of shreds zone defenses. Now teams are playing more man, and it's they kind of know what's coming. There's a lot more film. They're forcing him to throw into tighter windows, and he hasn't been able to do that so far. The receivers haven't been great. So the passing offense hasn't been as good as last year. Now the offensive line hasn't helped. You lose the number one, the best left tackle in the NFL by almost every metric, and Ronnie Stanley. So you got to move Orlando Brown over there. He is a natural left tackle, but that means you have DJ Fluker right tackle. He got benched last week. He had a uh, he was arm was wrapped. So now you have McCarry very undersized. He's basically a guard or center was playing right tackle. You have Tyree Phillips who's already out at, at your guard. So you have Ben Powers who's also undersized at, at right guard, and then you have Matt Skura at center who can't even snap the ball anymore. It's been two weeks in a row. So now all of a sudden you go from you know, a Hall of Famer at guard and Marshall Yanda, and then you have two of the best tackles in the NFL, to basically you're just down to, like, one reliable tackle. So the offensive line is a shell of itself, which doesn't help. And the defensive side of the ball, before I bet this game, I have to wait and see. The Patriots were able to just run up the middle. I tweeted immediately, as soon as Brandon Williams went out, I said, the Ravens' run defense without Brandon Williams is a disaster. Always has been, always will be. He eats blocks in the middle. Without him and Calais Campbell, their two best run defenders up front, I – this defense can't stop the run, can't stop. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, they went out and got Calais Campbell. And those guys eat blocks for their linebackers who they drafted. They had to address this issue because it's basically what got them out of the playoffs, trying to stop Derrick Henry and, and rushing attacks. But their linebackers are a little undersized. So if they're not getting protection and able to move around, they're going to get washed up. And that's what happened against a really good offensive line uh, in the Patriots. Jimmy Smith has also been really good. He's questionable. The Titans – Kind of on a downward spiral here. I mean, look, I, I had to downgrade the Ravens a lot just because this offensive line, the defensive line injuries are concerning. We'll see who can go this week. But I make the line around six, so I passed. It is a revenge game spot for the Ravens, but 
I mean, that's just narrative-based stuff. I will say that in the game they lost to the Titans last year, they had like 600 yards of offense, and the Titans had like 200. Ryan Tannehill threw for like 80. And the Ravens were like 0-4 on fourth down. They had a bunch of turnovers. A very fluky game. I think they outgained about like 350 yards. So they had no issues moving the ball on the Titans. The Titans also had some offensive line injuries. Uh, is Dory Jackson going to play? Their corners are kind of a mess. Their defense just stinks overall. So it's two struggling units. Which one's going to kind of step up, the Titans' defense, or is the Ravens' offense going to finally break out? The last thing I'll say on this game, though, is uh, one of the big advantages in this game, which could end up making the difference, special teams. Yeah. Titans' special teams is uh, – their 31st DBOA. Maybe the worst – they might be the worst besides the Chargers in the NFL. And, and the Ravens now are number two by the Dolphins. Dolphins' special team has been elite, but they might be the best in the NFL. And just the kicker advantage, the punter advantage – the Titans have been so bad on special teams, so keep your eye out for that. I actually think the line is about right, but a lot of injuries to keep track of, like with a lot of games this week. Yeah, now the one, the one thing I always check, you know, you have to these days with the Titans is, okay, how are missed kicks going to affect them? But that's one of the reasons I actually like them in this matchup is because Baltimore is last in red zone defense. So if there's a spot where the Titans are going to be able to finish drives, and that's what they're known for doing, it's in this one. So – yeah, I mean, Tucker, obviously, if it comes down to that, I'm taking Tucker all day, but uh, I just think Tennessee is going to be able to keep it close. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. All right, let's move on. For my third pick and the fifth pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons, plus five at BetMGM. At the New Orleans Saints, Winston's starting, so we'll be allowed to tackle him at least. and. Uh, not get ridiculous personal foul calls because Drew Brees uh, wants one. Um, and I know he was hurt, but that still shouldn't have been a personal foul. But uh, podcast trend is back. Fade Winston as a favorite, 10th least profitable quarterback in our database uh, as a favorite. 7-14-1 against the spread, 2-6 and six against the spread as a favorite over a field goal. He's just 12-10 and 10 straight up as a favorite. High-variance guy. You want to take him as a dog. You want to fade him as a favorite. Really interesting game, though, from a lot of – different angles the Saints by the way have historically good run defense top 10 DVOA of all time number one in the NFL this year you can't run against them Davenport and Jordan are so good off the edge against the run and in getting the quarterback as good as it gets as a pair of defensive ends and then you know you have Hendrickson backing them up as well you've you know, you move, they move Davenport all over the place he's just a hell of a player now that, the, now that he's back he missed the first part of the season Davis Demario Davis, an elite linebacker. You have Malcolm Jenkins, who will basically play up at the box. Very good against the run. So Marcus Williams, one of the most underrated safeties in the NFL. He's elite against the run. You now have Quan Alexander there. Bye-bye, Anzalone. He won't play anymore. Uh, and then the defensive line in the interior. You have Onyemate, Brown, Rankins, Tuttle. They're all monsters. Huge. It's eat block. You can't run on this team. That's good for the Falcons because Todd Gurley is basically graded out as the worst running back in the NFL this year. They're not going to be able to run it. That's fine. That's what I want. I want the Falcons throwing it. Matt Ryan's been on fire with his passing offense over the past few weeks. I think Ridley's going to go. Yep. Practice like today it. should Looks go. Like the Saints have had issues in pass defense. This is how you can get to them at times because, look, Jenkins has been good, but why? Like Marshawn Latimer, I still can't figure out. He's so inconsistent. He's been bad this year. I know Patrick Robinson is back, but even in the slot, they've been bad with Garner Johnson. He hasn't been great. So I think this Falcons offense will be able to move the ball through the air. Uh, I think abandoning the run is going to be a good thing here. because They're not going to be able to run it, trust me. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, it's Jameis time. So 
how is this going to work? He's the complete opposite quarterback of what Drew Brees is, right? This is a short, quick passing attack that requires short, accurate passes. That was the opposite of what Winston did in Tampa Bay. He's downfield, high-variance quarterback. Past five years since he came into the league, most interceptions, top 10 touchdowns, highest average depth of target, third to last in adjusted completion percentage, third to last in adjusted completion percentage with a clean pocket, which he should have. Saints elite offensive line. Falcons get no pressure unless it's Grady Jarrett. So maybe Grady Jarrett can cause some problems up the middle. But, you know, lowest average yards after catch, doesn't, that's because he's you know, some inaccurate. Doesn't always take the easy throw, which is really what you do in the Saints offense. So it, it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. But he's just not that accurate of a quarterback. He will make mistakes. That's why he's just a good fade as a favorite. And I think it's going to take – I don't know, like, if the Saints are going to also probably use a lot of Taysom Hill. They're going to have to rework their offense for Winston. I don't know. It's all in a week. So I think that there's going to be some, some growing pains here. Falcons D is playing better of late. And their run D is playing good. Top 10 DVOA, sixth adjusted line yards, first in power rank. They get no pressure. I know Fowler will be out, but who cares? Uh, but their D's playing better, and it's their linebackers. Starts with their linebackers. They've started blitzing a lot more, and that's what they need to do. They don't get natural edge pressure. It's just Grady Jarrett. And ever since that Lions game, they're using more exotic blitzes. You know, Keanu Neal is coming down in the box and blitzing more. You know, you're using Jones and Olekin to blitz. And uh, maybe they can get the Winston, force him into some mistakes. But I think there's going to be some growing pains for the Saints. Falcons also off of a bye here. And uh, look, this, is, this team's better than people think. They've just had a ton of unlucky losses. Dan Quinn just fucking up games as, as he did when he was there. Defense trending up, I think, a little bit. And uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball through the air. Abandon the run is a good thing here. So give me the Falcons plus five. Yeah, I, I think that defense is playing a lot better. I mean, you look at the first four games in simple points allowed, and it was 38, 40, 30, 30 for an average of uh, 34 and a half under Dan Quinn. And then since Morris takes over, 23, 23, 23, 17, 27, uh, an average of 22.6, a difference of uh, 11.9 points. Now, I know they played – you know, some different competition, but there's still a marked difference in the defense uh, under these two coaches. And we saw a little bit of that last year when Morris took on more of a role uh, in that defense over the second half and essentially saved Quinn's job for uh, another four games. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the Falcons here. I, I think that you look at Jameis and it's going to be uh, a struggle because the Falcons are no another one of those defenses that if they struggle in an area, it's really the red zone. Uh, they're one of the worst red zone defenses, but they are one of the better. And offenses. Jesus Christ, can they get right. a touchdown? Well, you expect that to regress a little bit, I think. But, you know, just given the weapons they have. But, yeah, uh, their third down defense is actually eighth best at 38.7% conversions allowed. So, uh, you know, if you're Jameis Winston, you're going to have to drive down the field against a tough third down defense and limit the turnovers to get to the red zone area. So. Uh, that's not necessarily Jameis's game. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the, the Falcons in the spot as well. Another team I wouldn't be surprised if they pull out the uh, outright upset. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, for the sixth and final pick, my third pick of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Cincinnati Bengals plus two at the Washington football team. This is just another spot where I look at these two teams and it's a toss-up game. You talked about it last week, I believe it was. Home field advantage hasn't really been worth as much as it has historically in the past. And you look at these two teams in the, in the schedules they've faced, and Washington's wins came against Philly back in week one in a game they fell behind 17-zip, and Philly basically handed it to them. And then Dallas with Dalton and Dalton going down and, and giving way to Danucci in that one. They, they win, you know, 25-3, I think it was. So, and then, but in their last five games, they also have two losses to the 3-7 and seven Giants, uh, they have, and they have a loss to the 4-5 the and five Lions. And in their last two games – those Giants outscored them 20-3 to in the first half, and then the, the Lions outscored them 24-3 in the first half. The football team got outscored by a combined score of 47-6 to out of the gate by the Giants and Lions over the last two weeks. Now you look at the Bengals. Okay, they're 2-6. and six. Not great. Their losses. 8-0 Pittsburgh. 6-3 and three Baltimore. 6-3 and three Cleveland twice. 6-3 and three Indianapolis. Only the, the Chargers have, a, have a, a winning percentage worse than 67% in terms of teams Bengals, the Bengals have lost to. And remember, that came down to a kick uh, at the end. That, it's, that game could have easily gone the other way. So you look at these two teams, and the Bengals, I think, are the better team. They're getting two, they're two top linemen back in bo- their tackles, Bobby Hart and Jonah Williams. So, yeah, the, the Washington front strength of their defense – um, but you'll be able to neutralize that some compared to these last few weeks when Burrow's just been under siege. And we know we can make plays moving around. And this team, the game plans for Washington out the gate have not been good. And, and the Bengals' issue last week especially was against Pittsburgh. You know, they're just playing this off coverage on their receivers for some inexplicable reason, and they're too talented, and they made him pay. Well, what is Washington – one of Washington's big weaknesses? The passing game. They have one receiver. Terry McLaurin. Besides that, I mean, you're talking Cam Sims, who's coming on nicely, and Steven Sims and Isaiah Wright, just a whole bunch of replacement-level talent. Logan Thomas, the converted cornerback at tight end. I mean, this is easily a game Cincinnati can win. Similar to that Jaguars game a few weeks back, this is easily a winnable game for Cincinnati. And let's not forget, you know, Cincinnati hanging close with a bunch of the best teams in the NFL – and they beat the, the six and three Titans, who, granted, aren't as good as their six and three record, but that just shows that this football team, an overrated football team, um, is in a whole different class. Uh, this is a game I think Cincinnati can win. Love them as two point dogs. Uh, yeah, you mentioned home field advantage. Uh, by the way, underdogs fifty five percent of the year, overs fifty three percent against the sp- uh, spread. Road teams fifty three percent. The home teams went 11-3 and three last week, so these are still small sample size, so that corrected a little bit. So road teams have won 48% of games this year. They're negative 49 points overall. That's about a half a point per game. Historically, it's about – since 2003, it's about 2.4 
points per game, and they've won 43%. So that would imply home field's about a half a point this year on average and aggregate. I think it's still closer to a point. One week, it, it can really swing this, but just wanted to throw that out there. I actually disagree with this play. Now, it's going to depend on some injuries that I'm watching. And since Alex Smith got hurt in week 11, 2018, when Washington was 6-3, and three, these are the two worst teams in the NFL. Since he 5-26-1, Washington 6-26. and 26. So this is the toilet bowl to see who's been the worst. Uh, but Smith has at least has looked better. He's thrown for 325 and 390 the past two games. Oh, you mentioned Logan Thomas. Time. Maybe Garbage. he can have a good game. The Since he can't govern tight ends <laughs> at all, and Smith loves targeting his tight ends and loves targeting Thomas. Uh, but the offensive line has been really good since Sheriff came back. I think these are two <laughs> bad teams. I rate Washington football team higher, and I think they're two bad offenses. I think that – but Washington is the better offensive line. Since he has the better receivers and better quarterback. But the, the, the only elite unit in this game is the Washington defense. Uh, the top five DVOA against the pass. We've mentioned their defensive line. They can get pressure. I mean, settle Payne and Allen up the middle. They're going to cause problems for Burrow. And since he's not going to get any pressure, regardless. I mean, the 30th and adjusted sack rate, the 31st and adjusted line yards, team stinks. They have no defensive linebacker. Their defense stinks. And I think Burrow's hurt. He's been banged up. Last week he, got, he was limping around. He, he didn't run once. He was overthrowing everything against the Steelers. It's after he got banged up, he got rolled up on his ankle. He says it's not an issue, but, I mean, he's taken a lot of wear and tear here. So I think the Washington can get after him, uh, and I think Washington wins this game. Mixon, who knows, he's day-to-day as well. But uh, I think I disagree. I think Washington's going to win this game. <laughs> I, mean, I think you're overthinking it. Uh, this Washington team has been terrible against – pretty bad competition Cincinnati's been bad against good competition like pressure like Washington's O-line is not like since he's not going to get pressure we know that but I just think the, the coaching for Washington hasn't been great Alex Smith I mean all his yards have come because they've gotten down by 20 or by, by double digits to bad teams early in games I mean that you're gonna get yards I just I think Cincinnati first of all their receivers you know Washington for all that good defensive front they're they haven't been stopping people, you know, the way they should on defense. You can still beat their secondary. Cincinnati is the perfect kind of setup to do it. They can spread you out. They're both bad. <laughs> yeah, they're both bad, but there's one elite unit in here, and that's Washington I, defense. And uh, I think Burrow's banged up. I think you're going to see that this week. I mean, that, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I just watched that game. I, I, I think Pittsburgh just is a really good defense. Got him off his game, but uh, we shall see. To recap, the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, Jacksonville plus nine, at home against Pittsburgh for Stuckey, along with Dallas plus seven at Minnesota and the Falcons plus five at New Orleans. I'm going with the Eagles plus three and a half at Cleveland, the Titans plus six and a half at Baltimore and the Bengals plus two at Washington. Remember, you can follow all of our picks in the Action Network app. Just search for Sunday Six Pack uh, in the follow tab. All picks will be entered by the end of the day on Friday. Next up, our favorite over-unders of the week. So I'll go first with the total, and this kind of plays into what uh, we spoke about earlier with Pittsburgh and Jacksonville and the Tomlin spots. We expect Pittsburgh to come out a little bit flat. Uh, Then I am expecting that to show more on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going under 46.5 Pittsburgh-Jacksonville. You look at Mike Tomlin rolled unders, and this, again, plays into – these Tomlin spots, but uh, when the total is, you know, kind of mid-range, 43 and a half to 51, the under is 40, 14, and 1, 74% uh, in his career. 
Pittsburgh, 15th in neutral pace, 21st with a lead of seven or more. Jacksonville, 26th in neutral pace. Uh, and again, Luton has struggled uh, under pressure, so don't necessarily think Jacksonville like outscores their expectation either. So going under 46.5, Steelers-Jags. For my favorite over-under of the week, I'm going with the Dolphins-Broncos under 45.5. Uh, Drew Locke, probably not going to go. I don't think there's that much of a drop-off or upgrade or improvement between him and Brett Rippon. But I do think that they'll probably just go really conservative here. Look, what Miami does, it's it's the Patriots' defenses from the last few years. They're two of the best corners in the NFL. Their safeties, McCain and Rowe, are both great in the top ten in, in coverage. It's some of the advanced metrics. So they, they cover and then they blitz you. They just come at you. So, I mean, I don't know what either Rippon or Locke who are not going to be locked been awful under pressure. I assume Rippon will be as well. So I think they're going to go run heavy here. And on the other side of the ball, the Denver defense is getting healthier on the back end. And look, you can look at any metric in the world that you want. The Miami offense has been so much worse with Tua. Uh, it's incredible, but he's gotten away with it because teams keep dropping picks. They keep scoring defensive touchdowns. They keep scoring special teams touchdowns. Uh, from a DVOA perspective, like their offensive production is dropped off a clip but their defensive production and their special teams is going way up i guess that's two a time it is worth noting the miami special teams have been amazing amazing sanders can't miss jakeem grant's been amazing returning the ball hack's been great punting it the, and the broncos besides field goal kicking their special teams has been a disaster um but i think broncos go super conservative here i think their defense will come to play um I don't think the Dolphins will keep getting lucky with these defensive and special teams touchdowns, but their defense is really good. Their offense is not. Uh, I think Denver goes. I think Denver goes conservative. These teams go slow. It's an ugly-ish game uh, in Denver here. So give me the under there. Yeah, I like that too. I, I like Miami as well. I think yeah, their offense hasn't been as good with uh, Tua, but um, they're spe- like they're well coached, and well coached teams tend to be good on special teams and tend to be good on defense and I'm expecting like a 20, 24 to 10 type of game where Miami does get some short fields and Denver. I mean, they just can't, they, they can't operate if they're not getting, you know, like if they're getting the wrong side of the turnovers and wrong side of the, the field position, um, they're, they're not going to score very many points on this defense. So yeah, I, I like it too. I think, I think Miami just uh, wins an ugly one here. Those were our favorite totals of the week. Stuck going with Miami, Denver under 45 and a half, and I'm going Steelers, Jags under 46 and a half. Uh, now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. All right. For those not familiar, a teaser is when you combine two or more bets, and each bet gets an extra uh, six points or however many points you're teasing towards the spread. So, for example, in a six point teaser, uh, if you're teasing an eight-point favorite, they become a two-point favorite. And an eight-point underdog becomes a 14-point underdog. Stuck has some great content at actionnetwork.com uh, that you can uh, check out if you are interested in learning exactly how, uh, which key numbers to, to look for on teasers. But uh, Stuck, who are you going with for your two-team six-point teaser in week 11? Yeah, basically you went across three and seven, which I was able to do with two teams here. I cheese the Chargers down from eight and a half to two and a half. It, Flacco should start. Chargers probably going to find a way to be in a close game. I think that they should beat the the Jets here. Jets are off a bye, but I'm comfortable with taking the Chargers minus two and a half. 
Uh, and then my other one is the Packers. Uh, give me Aaron Rodgers plus eight, plus eight and a half here. It's a really interesting game. The Packers run D, again, is a disaster. Disaster. They, and they're playing like they play like this 2 4 6 a lot. This, and then they're, or a 3 4 5. Dean Lowry's a ghost. Preston Smith is a ghost. I mean, I, their run D is atrocious. Atrocious. So bad, just scheme wise, personnel wise. Uh, but the Colts' run offense has not been good. It's shocking. They're 27th in line yards. And look, if you they're 3.8 yards per carry, 29th in the NFL, they faced a very easy schedule too. Jonathan Taylor, 20.4 elusive rating. That's 33rd out of 34 running backs, at least 75 carries. The only one worse, Adrian Peterson. He also, Jonathan Taylor, 2.1 yards after contact on average. That's, that's dead last. So the Colts defense is very good, but on a fast track against his zone D. By the way, Devontae Adams bounce back game he owns Xavier Rhodes Xavier Rhodes literally has nightmares about Devontae Adams should have a big game you get Lazard back uh, Colts really haven't played anybody and I know the Packers special teams is bad which is something to keep in mind here but Rodgers should at least keep this within one possession if not win the game outright so Packers over a touchdown Chargers under a field goal yeah I'm going with the Chargers as well I uh, like them against the Jets Adam Gase 4-18 and 18, as a road underdog against the spread when it's five and a half or more uh, including 0-4 this season. So there should be some cushion there, uh, but do not want to bet the Chargers as eight-and-a-half-point favorites. That's just ugly, especially since they've not been covering. Going with the Vikings, teasing them down from 7-1, to one, uh, you're probably a little more bullish on the Cowboys than I am, but either way, I think I, I still see the Vikings winning this game. So I uh, like them at minus one. So Chargers down to two-and-a-half, Vikings down to one. Yeah. By the way, uh, Jair Alexander and Kevin King, two starting corners of the Packers, should be back this week. All right. So, Stucks teasing Packers plus eight, Chargers minus two and a half, and I'm going Vikes minus one, Chargers minus two and a half. Uh, now it is time for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, money line, underdogs. Who you got this week, Stuck? This line goes on and off the board. They're going to be a small road underdog here, but give me the Detroit Lions, uh, plus 115, plus 120-ish um, at Carolina. I've mentioned this Carolina defense regression is coming. Oh, boy. We saw it last week against Tampa. Brady could have had about 800 yards if he wanted and they have injuries now. I don't think Dante Jackson is going to go. And there's just a lot of variance in this game. Teddy Bridgewater, is he going to go? Is he not? I would think no, even if it's if it's kind of up in the air. And then you got P.J. Walker will be quarterback. I mean, Bridge, they're 3-7 and seven now. Bridgewater, they paid a lot of money to. Why kind of rush him back here? Stafford apparently is a go. Galladay, I don't know. You'd know better than me. A lot of moving parts here. I just think this is a – and the Lions defense has been really bad. Coin flip game. I think there's a better chance that Stafford will play more effectively um, and win a game of two bad defenses. So uh, I'll take the plus money. I think it's a good game with a lot of variance to take the the underdog. Do you have an update on Galladay, by the way? Yeah, Galladay looks like he's going to go. He returned to practice. Uh, so we're looking at McCaffrey out for Carolina. And then Bridgewater did practice on a limited basis. But, yeah, I would kind of be surprised if they throw him out there and what amounts to a meaningless game. Stafford probably going to go. The issue shouldn't keep him out. So it looks like Detroit should have a little fuller deck because Carolina definitely going to be missing McCaffrey. 
And speaking of variants for my money line dog, I'm going with those Falcons that you picked in the six pack plus 175 at New Orleans. Uh, it's really simple. Falcons been playing better on defense, uh, ha- only allowed more than 23 points once in the last five games. And you have New Orleans going from Drew Brees to some combination of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston in particular, known for giving away winnable games. And, you know, other than, you know, Drew Brees, like these teams match up decently. I mean, you have uh, Atlanta who can stop them on third down and can play shootout ball with you if need be. And, uh, you know, doesn't need to run necessarily an offense to be successful. So uh, give me Atlanta playing a lot better uh, under head coach Raheem Morris at plus 175. That parlay, by the way, would be uh, nearly five to one, about 4.9 to one payout if you bet the Falcons plus 175 and the Lions plus 115. Hello, Detroit. This week's coaches pep talk. This week's pep talk is from the 2019 film Ford v Ferrari. Well, my daddy was here today. He told me to sit on down and leave the yak into the college boys. So, like my cars, I'll make this fast. When I was 10 years old, Pop said to me, "Son, it's a truly lucky man who knows what he wants to do in this world." Because that man will never work a day in his life. But there are a few, a precious few, and hell, I don't know if they're lucky or not. But there are a few people who find something they have to do. Something obsesses them. Something if they can't do it, it's going to drive them clean out of their mind. I'm that guy. And I know one other man feels exactly the same. His name? Jameis Winston. Hand us that upset, Jameis. All right, now it's time for Best of the Rest, which includes the games we did not get to talk about in any other segment. All right, start first up. Chiefs, minus seven at the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas, six defensive players added to the COVID-19 list. That doesn't mean they can't play, but uh, they do have to you know, have some negative tests before Sunday. Andy Reid, more than seven days to prepare. Uh, 40, 26, and 1 against the spread, 61%. Thoughts on this game, Stott? Yeah, I, the, the Raiders' defense has been grading out a little better uh, as of late, but they had a huge win game in Cleveland, and then they had a, just a Drew Locke vomit game. Still think it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And the Chiefs with revenge off of a bye and a huge game for the division that they've owned and for AFC playoff standings and a potential bye, you know you're going to get, like, one of the most pristine game plans here from an offensive and defensive perspective from the Chiefs staff. You know Mahomes is going to eat the rightful MVP front runner. Uh, I think they'll put up points. Now, it's can, can the Raiders, they should be able to run on the Chiefs. They've been running the ball very well, and Carr's been playing really well. Can they keep up? I don't know. A lot of it's going to come down to COVID. I know that you'll have a preview for this game. So later in the week, make sure you check that out on the Action app because we'll have more of an update on, you know, who's the Chiefs tackles were on the list too. The whole Raiders defense, it's just there's a lot of moving parts here. So you're going to want to check out that preview later in the week. But just from a a – there's no reason why the Chiefs shouldn't score at will. From a situational perspective, this is where you'll see, you know, like the Chiefs against the Ravens when they came out with that game plan. Like they're going to have their full and best playbook here. 
I think it's pretty safe to say that Chiefs will win this game. Will they win it by six and a half, seven or more? I think that'll depend on if the Raiders offense can keep up. Maybe some backdoor risk here, but I would lean Chiefs now, but a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, it, it, this is just a, a great situational spot for the Chiefs in a line that I think is otherwise more or less, uh, you know, correct, um, you know, but j- just so many factors favoring the Chiefs. They're just so good coming off the bye. They're so good. I mean, just on the road, period. And, and now you're talking about, uh, yeah, like you said, a game where it's they're going to have their full attention, not just coming off the bye, but a team that it beat them. And the Chief, handing the Chiefs their only loss on the season. So you know – uh, that you know, the Chiefs are going to come out focused. And, and this is just a great kind of spot to, uh, I think, back the Chiefs here. But we'll have to see. You know, the line has gone off the board at some at many books. So we'll see what it reposts at. But, uh, yeah, winning Chiefs now as well. But check out the preview later in the week. And finally, we have the Patriots going to Houston, favored by two and a half. Houston is a home dog. Really, it, the key matchup I see here is that the Patriots are going to be able to run. Houston, last in adjusted line yards allowed to running backs, last in running back yard per carry allowed, uh, 32nd rush DVOA. Uh, the Patriots can win games like this. Uh, should they be favored on the road, though, given how bad they've played uh, by two and a half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the value here from a line perspective is on the Texans. I make this game closer to a pick, but I might be staying away. Maybe I'll tease the Texans because of what you said. I have all my stats written down for this game. What do the Patriots want to do? They want to short passes, and they want to run the ball. They have a really good offensive line. Harris has looked really good. You know, Cam Newton can run the ball. Well, all of my stats on my Texans, 32nd in NFL in defending short passes, 32nd in line yards, 30th in second level rank, 32nd in open field rank, 32nd in rush defense, 32nd in rush yards line, 32nd, 32nd, 32nd. Literally, even in short passes, they just play way off. So, like, I, there's nothing that Houston does that should be I – mean, this is a nightmare matchup for the Houston defense. So that probably will keep me away from this. I can't bet the Patriots because there's just no value in the line. But I want no part of the Texans just because of how bad of a matchup this is. Patriots defense has been abysmal as well. But they did some things a little better last week. Maybe they can – you know, Belichick is starting to figure some things out. You can give them the benefit of the doubt there. The only thing I'll consider here is – teasing the Texans just because it fits the profile, but bad matchup for the Texans D nightmare. Yeah. I may get around a pick them as well, but it, it's, it's really hard to get behind the Texans at, at, you know, even as the home dog, just because the matchup does not favor them. And this is the type of game the Patriots win. So yeah, stay away from me. Uh, let's get into our survivor pick of the week. One pick, one chance to advance survivor. All right, stuck. Week 11, pretty simple for me. Minnesota against Dallas. I've uh, used Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Indy, L.A., the Chiefs, which took me down in week five. Miami, the Chargers, Tampa, Houston, and the Packers. So Vikings still have them, using them against Dallas. What about you? Because of who I've used and how to change, I, I guess I have to go Steelers. And uh, thankfully I'm not still alive because then I would watch – Mike Tomlin in a classic Mike Tomlin spot. Burn my money. I think I might actually rather choose Washington, but uh, for the sake of the podcast, anyone that's still in it, I think you have to go pit if you haven't used them. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota and Pitt kind of stand out as the two, in my opinion. Uh, if you have not used them, 
And that's going to do it for another week of the Action Network NFL betting podcast. You can follow Stucky on Twitter and in the Action Network app. You can find all of his picks at Stucky2, all of his content as well at actionnetwork.com. Same goes for me. I'm on Twitter at Chris Raybon. I'm in the Action app at Chris Raybon. Uh, and you can find uh, all my content at actionnetwork.com as well. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Uh, we'll have a Thanksgiving episode coming out or earlier in the week. I think it should be out uh, early Wednesday morning or, or even late Tuesday night. Uh, so be sure to check for that. And of course, remember to search Sunday Six Pack to follow all of the picks in the Action Network app. Uh, they should be posted each week by the end of Friday. Until next week, let's get this money. Go Jags. We're finished talking.